Welcome to Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. You're back. I am. You're back. I was thinking maybe maybe you were gone for good, but no. You can't get rid of me that easy. It, it would have been way too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we missed you last week. We had Felix on. Uh, a whole different set of challenges uh, <laughs> with, with an intoxicated Felix across the, the, the camera from me. So... Welcome back. How was your week off? Do anything fun? Um, does sit in bed with a bag of frozen peas on my head to try to bring my fever down count as fun? Yeah, that sounds fun. Okay, I binged. Yeah, we uh, we started better because so my fiance and I were both had the flu. It started right immediately right after the wedding, um, and naturally Evan was just assumed that I was typical me after a wedding. Mm-hmm. um and or after a big drinking event that's why and you didn't get like, invited to mine i was like no i was like this is i was like i kept it in control pretty much all night i'm 28 now i don't do that as often anymore um i was like and this was just a very different so and then like after that after we got back like it hit how, um, how about you just tell me what you watched i don't need your life story well, I'm glad that you care. I thank you, first of all, to those who reached out to me. Um, Did people and, really reach out? The worry people that I reached out. You? People reached out, made sure I was okay. I appreciate that. Uh, but no, I watched. Uh, we watched Better Call Saul, hmm. and we are. We have like f- I think four more episodes left in season five. So. Oh wow! Yeah. Wait, you watched all of that, or you'd already seen some of it? No, I watched all of it. Jesus, how long were you sick? We were sick all week. Okay. Becca, um, yeah, Becca missed work all week, and then I worked from home all week. But I was not real work. Like I answered a couple emails, but I didn't do any like projects or anything. Okay. Um, so let's uh, let's get over to the show here, guys, because we did have a lot of spring football this week. A conclusion of a lot of practices uh, with spring games. Uh, we chose like four or five to go into a little more detail here tonight, and then we have just some tidbits of information from a couple others. Um, we are definitely not done with these a couple more weekends left uh, to go, especially a lot of the schools out West. Um, so we're going to touch on some of that tonight, a couple new names in the portal. Um, but before we get into that guys, uh, freshman guide, I know it's freshman draft season. I, I am in my third one now at this point, uh, just kicked off this morning. Um, if you have not yet checked out, the guide that we have, the freshman supplemental guide at campusdecanton.com. Go ahead and do that. It is free if you are either a scholarship or NIL member with us, so the top two tiers, or if you were grandfathered in. So if you you were a year long member, um, you know way back in the day, you've been a, you've been one of our day one guys. Um, that you should have access to that as well. If you have not yet gotten that email, please feel free to reach out to us so that we can rectify that situation for you. And if you're not a member, or you're just you know you're a monthly member and, and don't have access, twenty dollars to purchase that guide. Um, already with some of the news coming out of spring, I think I'm feeling pretty good about a lot of the stuff that we uh, some of the guys that maybe we. We had higher than the rent, the, uh, the services and maybe some guys that we had lower as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, for, especially for our first year doing this, uh, I think that we early results look pretty positive. Yeah. Should so. we go deeper next year? I mean, 
we went, what was it, like 204 pages? Was that guide, yeah, I think? Yeah, I think the guide is 204 pages, 184 profiles, I believe. We wanted to cut it at 180 mm-hmm. um, to signify the you know, typical 15 rounds, 12 teams. Uh, if you do that math, I believe it comes out to 180. Uh, at least smarter people than I have told me that. Um, but we just had a couple extra players we wanted to squeeze in. So yep. we did it. Um, maybe we should go deeper next year. I don't know. We'll have to talk in a couple, a couple of weeks, Colin, about some guys that maybe we regret not putting in. Not There's not a lot Ooh. that have popped up yet, and obviously there will be you know mm-hmm. a few that sure. aren't even on our radars, but there's one or two names already that I'm like, man, we wrote him up and we didn't put him in there, and now yeah. I, I think maybe we should have done that. Um, Damian Martinez being a big example of that Oregon yes. State. Um, yes. But um, So yeah, go check that out, guys. Um, if you haven't been on Twitter today, or you aren't on Twitter, but you listen to the podcast, we are doing beginner leagues, guys. They are for people that have never played in a campus to Canton league. If that describes you and you're looking to do uh, one for the first time, we are going to commission, we, I believe, five of these leagues. At least that's what we have At set least. up right now. We'll yeah. see what demand looks like. All of these leagues uh, are $30 entry. But if you are a yearly member with us at Campus to Canton at any membership tier, we pay your league dues for you. All of the money goes into the pot. We do not take any of it. We commission it. We run it. Um, so uh, if you have any questions, if you're interested in joining one of those leagues, feel free to DM us on Twitter at campusdecanton.com or at campusdecanton. Send us an email, campusdecanton at gmail.com um, or you know, DM me or Colin. Uh, I, I'm really the one kind of running a lot of them. So uh, mm-hmm. at Debbie Dietz on Twitter uh, is my handle. Uh, we'll get you in there. We'll get you set up. And again, if you are a year-long member with us, we pay your league dues for you. And you have access to all of our information throughout the year. So I think that seems like a pretty good deal. Uh, you're, you know, $29.99 for a membership with us, $30 league fees. I don't know. That's a pretty nice coincidence there. Yeah, um, weird. Basically, basically joining it for free. Yeah, weird how that works. Pretty crazy. Um, and then the last thing, guys, if you missed drunk felix on last week's show and you want to if you and you don't want to go back and listen to it for whatever reason why felix was so tipsy um we have joined in a partnership with sharp sports over on youtube he does a ton of recruiting videos he just put out one today uh, on a 2025 uh freshman athlete uh who i believe he said led the nation in interceptions with 13 Whoa. and then had over 1100 yards as a receiver as well really good athlete uh, out of alabama um so we're partnering up with him go ahead check out his videos he might have a little promo code for you to use over at the website maybe get you you know a little percent off your your, your membership get you a little um, something, something yeah yeah so go ahead uh more recruiting news never a bad thing um so go ahead and check him out as well. All right, Colin, this podcast real quick, part of the Fantasy Points Media Group. They have so many podcasts now. We are not going to name them all, but <laughs> go ahead, guys. Check all of them out on one place at Fantasy Points Live on Twitter. Do the weekly Friday drops. It recaps all of the week in the group, um, or you can follow any of them individually on Twitter. Um, they are all on there as well. So go ahead, check all of those out, Colin. Two names in the portal. The biggest one, Jai Hall. We're a little late to this news. Kind of, you know, we're we're at the mercy of the, the news cycle here. When when things break, not super close to uh, to what we're going on here. We we miss out. Jai Hall in the portal. We've talked about him a lot. We've talked about how maybe his time in Alabama wasn't going so well. We speculated this might be the case. 
do you have a landing spot that you like right now, Colin? Um, I don't really have anything I like a lot right now. Um, something that was, you know, I've seen floated occasionally here and there is Texas. You know, he has the Sark ties from when Sark was at Alabama. Um, you know, Sark was involved in that recruiting process at least. Um, so he's aware of him. Um, but I don't necessarily think that's the best fit, you know, with everything that they have uh going on with their program they're really trying to rebuild it and you know build up a different culture i don't necessarily know if he fits um he is a florida guy though and i could see maybe miami they have a bunch of guys at receiver who are okay um some that we like but nobody really proven um i've heard that some of the guys on the roster there have been struggling with drops so there is somebody who could use a wide receiver. Like I said, he's from Miami um, or he's from Florida. I mean, so that that's an interesting spot, I think, is a possibility. Yeah, Texas seems like the obvious one. I've heard USC speculated a little bit. They have a lot of guys there, but not a lot mm-hmm. of um, you know potential star power related to position. So that'd be an interesting spot as well. I think Florida would like going back somewhere in Florida would be the worst possible thing for him. I really do. Seems like the kind of guy that um, needs to be away from any influences in his life. Um, not not the greatest character, not character, like attitude guy in a locker room. Um, so I, I think going back to Florida would be a mistake for him if he does that. Um, I've already pretty much written him off, but I think that would kind of be the last little bit um, that would kind of push me away from him. Um, Texas would be interesting, but... At this point, is he even would he even start for them? Like, I don't know that he's better than Isaiah Nayor, certainly not better than Xavier Worthy. He can't play in the slot, so you know, Whittington or whoever else is, is no threat to him there. I mean, unless they're gonna play four wide, they got Jaleel Billingsley, who already has other issues that like is kind of a hybrid guy. Like, I just don't know what kind of space they have for him there. They yeah, can't, they can't guarantee him playing time. Yeah, no, I agree. And he seems like He's at the point where he wants some guaranteed playing time. Um, so that'll be, yeah, that'll be something that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. I, I But I don't think, you know, you floated USC out there as well. I don't really think that he would start there either. You know, uh, they have a, a crowded room. They brought in a number of guys already. Um, I don't necessarily know if I see that for him there. So there's not a lot of... I mean, there's there are definitely some places that could use some wide receiver help. There's not a lot of great fits for him out there. No, there really aren't. And this late in the cycle, it's it's difficult unless some injuries unfold somewhere um, uh, for him to find the perfect landing spot, which he really needs the perfect, like a mm-hmm. cushy landing spot with a good quarterback, with a good locker room, with a veteran coach. It's very hard to find all those different things. Bucky Irving, Marquise Irving, running back from Minnesota, the other guy here that we're just going to mention, obviously not as big of a name as Ajayi Hall. Leaving Minnesota here, I guess that's a good sign that Mo Ibrahim is definitely back, as is Trayson Potts, and so maybe his role is going to be diminished this year. Last year, in relief of, of Ibrahim and Potts, 133 carries, 699 yards, four touchdowns, so pretty darn productive there. A little on the smaller side, he's definitely not a never going to really be a work, true workhorse kind of guy. 
Um, Colin, we were we were kind of talking before the show. He's from Illinois. Like we were going down his offer sheet. Not sure there was any like obvious place again that he'd be a starter, but uh, some backfields that maybe he could uh, have some sort of a role in here. Yeah. So with you know, first want to touch on just real quick with Minnesota. I mean, they've had three running backs transfer out this off season and they still have their top two guys there. I mean, that room was loaded, you know, uh, Kai Thomas going to Kansas looks like he's going to have a shot at earning a significant role there. I like Cam Wiley. I think if Cam Wiley can earn a role at Akron, he could have a huge year depending on where Marquise Bucky Irving goes. You know, I think he could, he could play right away depending on where he ends up. So that was a loaded room. So I don't necessarily hold that against a lot of these guys. Uh, but when we were going down through his offer sheet, um, two of them stuck out to me. Uh, the first one being Cincinnati. And we mentioned that now with Cincinnati, that's he's definitely a very different profile than what they're used to there. They kind of like the thumper a little bit more um, or at least a bigger body guy rather than uh, Marky serving, who was 175 coming out. I think he ended up at like 190s. He was 190s last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, 5'10, 190. So he's a little bit smaller than that, but I think he would be the best back on the roster there right away. Don't particularly think that highly of Ryan Montgomery. They need another back. That would be an interesting landing spot. Uh, and then the other one um, would be Central Michigan. Now they have. Uh, two guys on that team already uh, in Lou Nichols and Kobe Lewis. But so it might take him a year, but I do think that, you know, he isn't, he would have an opportunity because Kobe Lewis, he's got to be just about done with eligibility. I think, right. He's got to be close. I don't know. He got COVID year and then injury year. So I think those yeah. are two free years for him. Yeah, that's true. I don't remember exactly where he was. Was there a red shirt at the beginning? Like it's ridiculous yeah. how some of these guys are gonna have like seven years. Yeah. But anyway, I was thinking him and and a uh him and a Lou Nichols would be make a nice one two punch for a run heavy offense. Yeah, he's it's it a place like Central Michigan feels step down unlikely to me just be unless there were other things going on at, at, at from his departure at minnesota more than just he wants to play um because if he goes there i feel like it's going to be the same thing that it mostly was this year at minnesota and if he'd waited at minnesota then ibrahim is gone next year and then it's him and Potts. i don't know um it, again there's not an obvious place for a guy like this cincinnati does feel really really good um but like th that is based on zero in actual information that's out there. And we don't have that. That's not like a, you know, it's just kind of us having a fun time speculating. So we will see um, Midwest kid. Does he end up somewhere in the Midwest? Maybe, maybe not. Um, let's just get into these spring games, Colin. I mean, this was kind of the big, the big, big weekend uh, talk of the weekend. If anybody that wants just some quick other quick hitting information on these games, Alfred did some instant reaction videos to a lot of these games. Those are over on our YouTube channel. So go ahead and check those out. Broke them down uh, two games at a time and all both games, you know, maybe five to seven minutes each. Um, so, you know, 10 to 10 to 15 minutes, depending on uh, the video. So go ahead, guys, if you want some in-depth look at all of them, we're going to talk about some interesting situations, some things we were monitoring maybe some things that were concerning slash promising. Uh, let's go to Cincinnati calling. Cause I think this was a really big question for me. It was probably my biggest question of the weekend. We all assumed it was going to be Evan Prater's job when Desmond Ritter left. Cause Evan Prater is so similar stylistically 
to Desmond Ritter, like tall, lanky, you know, strider, good athlete, strong arm, some iffy, you know, um, in terms of accuracy and things like that. Profiled very, very similarly. And then there was the news that Ben Bryant, who was at Cincinnati, went to Eastern Michigan, came back to Cincinnati, was beating him out for the job. Evan Prater got the start, guys, and he got the first couple of drives with those guys through a couple of touchdown passes and apparently made a couple of plays with his legs as well, which is not something that that Bryant can do. So I think that's a, that has worked well in his favor. Um, so now are we thinking that this is the Prater show, Colin? Yeah, I, I think it is at this point. And we were definitely hoping that Prater won this job. He's just by far the more talented player. Uh, definitely more toolsy. You know, Ben Bryant really couldn't make it work the first time. And I don't even know why Ben Bryant started at Eastern Michigan over Preston Hutchinson. I think Preston Hutchinson is a guy that we liked a lot more than Ben Bryant last year, but I'll digress on that one. Um yeah, I think the ceiling for this whole offense is a lot higher with Prater. And I think that, you know, Prater, he sat for two years. He definitely needed some time to sit. You know, he can come in. He can look good for, for two years. And I, I could see him having a Desmond Ritter-esque career there. Bryant is probably the better passer without having really seen, you know, the them compete against each other in the spring. I, I would... I wouldn't feel that bad saying that Prater was pretty raw coming out of high school. Um, but it's not like Cincinnati has this amazing wide receiver group that like you just want a guy that's kind of a distributor uh, a la, you know, Mac Jones, obviously to a, a higher degree at Alabama, but like it, their, their wide receiver group is, is kind of non-existent. They brought in Nick Mardner from uh, Hawaii and maybe he leads that group. There were a couple other guys that caught passes this, the touchdown passes this weekend, but none that are super duper exciting. Um, so yeah, Prater just feels like he fits so much better there and they, they lose their running back. Like you probably want a quarterback that, that's going to contribute a little more in the run game just to, to kind of get that thing going. Like he, it just seems so obvious. And by all accounts, this was a true competition this offseason. It probably still is. I'm not saying that it's over, um, but this was just such a bizarre storyline to me all offseason i'm hoping that that how prater looked this weekend his success helps catapult him to that job because i have a lot of him he's been very cheap over the past couple years and i think that he can be fantasy gold um there for cincinnati so speaking of guys that are breaking out at cincinnati colin i have a new sleeper i think tight end you want you want to hear who it is i do yeah are you sure i do yeah very much so Shimon Menier. Shimon. I think, there we go. There's your there's your new. We had we had last offseason. Michael Jackson no more. So we had to get Colin a new one here. You're welcome, folks. Um but the people wanted it. People asked for it. It, it, he, I mean, he, it's, he was a, a really, really good athlete in last year's class. He was a favorite of Alfred's coming out. He's gained like 30 pounds probably he's still listed at only 225 on the on their website but i think There's they a, mentioned on the broadcast that he was like 245 or something or something like that now so he's uh, significantly they have him in the uh cincinnati.com the inquirer um has him at 65 260 <laughs> so this way okay so i i am on <laughs> cincy's website right now 
they literally have this giant graphic at the top of his page that says his hometown, where he came from high school, his height and his weight. It says 225 pounds on there. Down below, it has also his hometown, also his high school. Also, all this other information on this, it says he's 252 pounds. Let's try to be consistent here, since he on what they you're flipped, listening. They transpose the, the two and the five. Uh, apparently, 252 pounds. Like this guy is a great mover, number 23 athlete in his class last year. So um, documented the or doctored the documents. He had two touchdowns this weekend. It's a it's an offense that's featured some tight ends there over the past decade. Um Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I I'm I don't want to say all in because he's such a you know a cheap buy and there's no guarantee of anything here, but but at cost, like I think this is gonna guy that ends up on like all my rosters this year. Um because I yeah, why not? They, they, like I said, they have Mardner and then not a lot else. I mean, it's just Jaden Thompson, a third year guy there kind of break out. Like one of the other guys, Alec Pierce is gone. He's in the NFL draft. I, I don't I don't see anything stopping this train from at least leaving the station somewhat. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, you know, he was an athlete, so you know, that doesn't necessarily mean he's like the elite athlete that you need to be to be a high-end uh, producer at the NFL level. But, you know, it bodes well for his overall athleticism. Um, and I think that, yeah, he uh, he's entering a, a situation where there's not a lot of other pass catchers and somebody's going to have to catch the ball. They also don't have a great running game. Like, we don't feel great about the running backs like we were just talking about a little bit ago. So somebody has to provide some offense there. I mean, what are we like at, at, at tight end? Literally, all that matters when you're entering the NFL is that you're a good athlete, like mm-hmm. a really good athlete. Yes. Production, college production really doesn't matter at all for the tight end position. It's a nice bonus, uh, but most of the great tight ends in the NFL nowadays, they, they were not uber productive in college by any stretch of the imagination. I believe I read a stat uh, and I've never verified this, but honestly, it kind of sounds right that there hasn't been a tight end that's finished with like a tight end like one season or something that had an RAS like a, a relative athletic score under like eight in like a decade plus or something like it you just have to be the cream of the crop at the position to warrant targets at a position that many teams still kind of have as a one-dimensional guy mm-hmm. or a two-dimensional guy which is honestly just as bad as just the blocker guy because like you're you know they get 35 catches for 400 yards and two touchdowns on the year like so meta year, I mean, why not? Why not? Yeah. We need to restock the tight end shelf. We've talked about that a lot on this show. That we lost a lot of big athletic tight ends. I think he's as good a shot as any of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right, let's move down to North Carolina where we had boots on the ground for the weekend. Our very own Brandon Sanders, aka CFF University, was at the game, even got an interview in uh beforehand talking uh to one of the staff there about um, how the running back position and running back battle there has been shaking out. We'll share that in a minute. Um, I think the story of this game, though, Colin, was the quarterback play. Ignoring Josh Downs' performance, who had like three touchdowns in the first half. He's clearly going to be the first target there. It was a guy that I was worried about mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit, actually. And I think this weekend made me feel a lot better about him. Who's still gonna, he's still going to be force-fed. They're still going to use him in a variety of ways, and they're still going to feature him in this offense. Yeah, and, and not only that, we feel good about the whoever ends up throwing him the ball. You know, obviously losing a quarterback like Sam Howell, who is 
in line to be in taken in the first round of the draft this year. You know, it's difficult to replace something like that at a school like North Carolina. Um, it's difficult to replace something like that at any school that's not Alabama, Ohio State, you know, that Oklahoma with Lincoln slash Lincoln Riley, wherever he ends up. You know, there's very few schools that can comfortably replace that. And with North Carolina, they had guys that were very intriguing. Drake May, uh, Jacoby Criswell, um, and uh, Connor Harrell, the guy who just came in this year. I don't know. I was blanking on him. He's a favorite over at the site of Alfred and David's over on the official. Um, but they all three looked pretty good. So I don't necessarily think we got a ton of clarity on how that position is going to end up. But what we did get clarity on is Josh Downs floor QB play should be pretty solid. And I think yeah, it should at least be adequate. Yeah. 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 All three of the quarterbacks looked looked really good. Honestly, I think this offense, you know, obviously you, you miss a guy like you said, like Sam Howe, but I don't think this offense is going to skip that much of a beat. I do mm -hmm. think they got some more guys there this year. Uh, in terms of uh, being able to help Josh Downs out a little bit at wide receiver, and then the backfield just seems a little more, you know, well-rounded, dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, not just relying on Ty Chandler. I don't think they wanted to just rely on Ty Chandler last year, but that's kind of all they had. Um, so, yeah, I've, I mean, I think May probably has the job at this point. Probably he definitely didn't do anything to lose it this week. It sounds like he had the lead. I don't believe he started the game, but I think they did a coin flip. Yeah, that's what, I, what heard. I heard. Um, I watched that game and I, I I missed that note as I was, um, you know, just kind of sitting there watching it. Um, so he didn't start, but like he he didn't do anything to lose that job. Connor Harrell was really good, guys. As a true freshman, like we always talk about the Bryce Young Zen mode thing. Connor Harrell has it too. He was very calm, very composed, all knew when to step up in the pocket. Like I think this kid. He's going to be really special. If he doesn't take this job from Drake May, I hope that he transfers elsewhere because I think he can be, at worst, a big time college quarterback at a pretty major program. Even if me, you know, really hard to project NFL uh, this early, but I think he's got um, the tools. You know, not the strongest arm, but he's very accurate. He's very savvy. Uh, he's smart. He can move around. Uh, he can do a lot of the little things that are really, really important. And he does do those things a little better. Like Drake May doesn't is not a statue, even though he kind of is big and awkward. Um, but Harold does is better than him in those categories, I think. So watch out for Connor Harold. Definitely a guy that I'm happy to stash, depending on where he's going in drafts. Yeah. I mean, if he ends up losing this job to to Drake May, you know, Drake May has at least two years there. We hope he transfers. Why not just go right down the road to Raleigh? You know, we'll talk about that situation in a little bit, but, you know, they don't have anybody that we feel that great about behind Devin Leary. You know, he could sit a year, step in. He doesn't have to even leave the state. But there's potentially other options out there, too. But that was just one that I was thinking about as I was sitting here staring at the show sheet. Yeah, I think he'd be really good anywhere. Like, really, mm -hmm. I, I really, really do. Um, the only thing I don't know about him, like can he really, really consistently push the ball downfield to be super aggressive? Like, I don't know if that's his game. I don't know if it needs to be his game. Uh, he didn't really do a lot of that in high school, but he's just like a mistake-free guy. And like, he his arm is good enough. Like, mm -hmm. it's not amazing, but it, it's good enough. So I, I really like him. Smart kid. 
Um, I, I think he's one to look he out had, for. And we were much higher than him on the services mm-hmm. in the services for us. I think he's in a top, our top ten at quarterback for the class. The services had him overall, I believe, at quarterback forty-two. Mm. Now he's just way too low. He had uh, he had some Ivy League offers too, didn't he? I think so. Yeah, like he's just, like by all accounts, he's a super smart kid. Yeah, like just very very bright, and you can tell watching him play. Like you you can't speed this kid up. You can't rattle him. Like he doesn't not make dumb decisions. I know. Like you can watch twelve minutes of you know quote unquote highlights and, and say how do you grasp that? But you even see you can see these guys that like that was a stupid throw that works in high school that is mm-hmm. never going to work uh, at the next level. And he just was always just so composed and played within himself. And I, I, I really, really appreciate that about him. Maybe that, you know, maybe he doesn't have the ceiling of drew Aller. That's fine. I think he can still be a really, really good player. Yeah. I agree. Last note here on North Carolina Collins. I think this is very notable. Um, we got this both from, uh, Brandon, who was at the game again, and then uh, I believe they said it on the broadcast at one point as well that it sounds like George Petaway has worked himself into an RB two role there already, which is huge for him. It sounds like mm-hmm. um, it's Britton Brown, right? Uh, no, British Brooks. Son of a Britain, Britain Brown was the one at UCLA. <laughs> yeah, I can never get those two right. Yes, <laughs> it's going to be their starting running back there this year. Um, George Petaway's RB two. There have been notes that Kamaro Edmonds lost a bunch of weight, that he looks better, but he's not really seeming to be factoring into this contest too much. If I'm going to start up this offseason, I'm probably not drafting Kamaro Evans. I don't think he's droppable yet. But, I, you know, buyer beware there. Um, Caleb Hood, intriguing, going to be a backup option. Omarion Hampton is not on campus yet, I believe. And neither is Andre so. Green, their, their, their big-time wide receiver this year. Um, but uh, Petaway is the is the big takeaway here for me. We've said all along there is a Michael Carter sized hole in that backfield that they still haven't filled. Lo and behold, it sounds like they want to use him in that way. That should be really really encouraging for George guys that have already drafted George Petaway or are planning on drafting George Petaway. I would be pretty aggressive in doing so. Yeah, I agree. I I think that you know we talked about that on the show here about how he was like the most natural fit for that they didn't really have anybody else to play that michael carter role um not at least not after kamaro edmonds gained all that weight after his junior year of high school um so sounds like george petaway stepping into that role kind of naturally don't really love british brooks as the as the rb1 i'd very much rather see caleb hood get that but it sounds like he's been banged up a little bit this off season mm-hmm. um so maybe he can usurp British Brooks at some point because uh, he doesn't inspire a lot of faith in me there. But George Petaway earning that role as a true freshman is big because, you know, one of my biggest concerns with Petaway was what is his role going to look like at the NFL level? He's he's not that big. I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a lead back. But that risk that you're taking with him potentially not being a NFL lead back gets mitigated when you can get at least three years of production, you know? So even if he ends up in a Michael Carter role at the NFL level or, or something along those lines um, where he's fine, but you know, you don't necessarily want to start him on a week in week out basis, getting three years of production, you know, when you're taking him and I don't have the ADP pulled up here, but I imagine he's probably going off the board somewhere around like the nine ten range. If you're taking him in that range, 
it mitigates some of that damage a little bit. We have him in our guide as RB10, the very tippy top of our tier three. And I think a lot of our discussions as to why he ended up there basically boiled down to what you said, you know, is there high end NFL upside there? Um, Cause I don't, th- he's not tiny, but he definitely doesn't. Mm. I don't, I don't know if he has a frame to still be super explosive to what he does at 210 plus. I think best case scenario for him, he hits like two oh between 200 and 205. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of his like max. It, it would appear to me who's to say maybe he surprises us but i think you know he he'll he'll have a role there and i think that offense like mm-hmm. i said i think that offense you know they lose sam howe and it feels really weird to say that maybe that offense will be will be slightly improved and maybe we'll end up being wrong on that front but it it, it seems like that offense as a whole will be a little more well-rounded um if, if the line can step up a little bit this year and i think that should help them a lot um, yeah just you know they, they had some big games but they had some real stinkers too yeah and you know, one other thing that we you touched on briefly there too is it sounds like that there's a little bit more help for Josh Downs at the receiver position than maybe there was last year. Um, JJ Jones is a guy who's reportedly looked pretty good. Sounds like he's um, earned himself a starting role or is projected to earn himself a starting role. Um, you know, he's a guy in last year's class that I liked um, just because of the opportunity that he potentially had there. So it sounds like he's starting to take advantage of that. And then you have Andre Green, who's not even on campus yet. Um, so there's a couple other guys there that that could take some of the the heat off of Downs, and that's just going to lead that offense to be better as a whole. Because as it kind of went down the stretch, there teams started to scheme against Josh Downs. You know, they started to really focus on him, and he's not necessarily the type of guy that he's he's the type of guy that you the defenses can scheme out just because of his size and his role. Exactly. And he did get quite a few touches. Didn't break anything in this game, but, but did get a lot of touches in this one. Clemson Colin, we're staying down South. We're just moving over another state Clemson. Uh, I watched this one as well. This one, actually they showed the first half and then they, they flipped to the the North Carolina game. I think to put us all out of our misery as we were watching it. <laughs> um, this game was pretty brutal to watch. I think there were a lot of reasons for that. I don't want to get too bogged down in um, the uh, LOL Clemson might be bad again this year um, because they were missing a lot of offensive skill guys. They were missing Will Shipley, Bo Collins. They were missing basically every single tight end on the roster. Adam Randall, obviously, with a knee injury is now out. Antonio Williams, a wide receiver that we really like for two freshmen, not there on campus yet. Um, so really the kind of, and I think EJ Williams was out as well. So really mm-hmm. the two big wide receivers that were on opta teams, uh, Dakari Collins was on one team, uh, and, uh, and, uh, Joseph Ngata was on the other. And that was pretty much it. I know, um, um, what's his name? Chris really likes Brandon Spector, the kind of shifty slot guy that they haven't really had there. Uh, and he did play and had quite a few catches. Um, and they split the offensive line in half, which is bizarre to me for a couple of reasons. One, you would think they would try to figure out what unit they want and have them all working together as much as possible, considering how bad they were last year. What this tells me is that they don't have a five yet, which is very concerning that they don't even really have an idea yet. Um, but this game was borderline unwatchable because of the offensive line, basically. They couldn't block worth a damn. And in fairness, Clemson might have the best D-line of the country this year. Are you worried about Clemson's offense this year? Um, yeah, I am. 
and for the reason that you said it, it you know i would expect if they had you know their starting five and they felt good about it and they put their first team offensive line out there against clemson's first team defensive line i would still expect them to get manhandled because like you said their clemson's defensive line is very very good um and it, it's it's deep as well it's it's a good deep rotation there probably one of the best in the country if not the best so i would still expect their offensive line to get shown up the more concerning thing is what you mentioned there where they split their line and the only reason that that makes any sense because you would want to build continuity if you had your five you know continuity along the offensive line is huge and the only reason to split them and break up that continuity is if you don't have five that you feel good about. So yeah, I think that's the more concerning thing. Their offensive line was bad last year. It sounds like they still don't quite have that figured out yet. Maybe they get it figured out in the fall, but it's, it's very concerning here. Um, you know, and then DJ at least does look a little bit more mobile. So, you know, maybe he can move around and behind that offensive line if he absolutely has to, but I think that's going to be the big concern this year. He's definitely lost some weight. He looks slimmed down visibly. Um, I think even, you know, had I not heard that news at all, I would have noticed him on the sideline and said why he looks he looks a lot slimmer than he did last year when he was reportedly up around 260. They say he's around 230. Um, I would believe that. He, he definitely looks uh, more svelte. The first half, I, I, I watched the whole first half, and again, they cut away. Like, the ACC Network literally shut it off to show UNC. So... I, I don't know exactly what happened in, in the second half. In the first half, DJU was 10 for 24. Um, he struggled. I think he was a little better than the numbers indicate. Dabo was very generous on blowing the play dead on sacks. Um, like very, very, very generous. Uh, I think maybe he was trying to just work with him and Kate on just getting the ball out because that's they're going to have to this, this season. Because um, he had a touchdown that got called back that I was probably his best throw of the day. Um hand in his face and he kind of just flipped it like 40 yards into the end zone a uh, little jump ball uh for Ngata he came down with it um but he still struggled with a lot of the things that he struggled with last year like this dude he's very inconsistent with showing any sort of touch on passes I remember there was like just a little just a little uh a swing right out to a running back you know guy coming off the edge very routine just you know kind of you know right over top of the edge and he just kind of like ripped it like 10 yards over the running back's head into the stands and like it was like he you tried to throw it to him and it wasn't close like he had a couple of the throws he had this one little like five yard out that was almost picked off because it was he did, did not read the under underneath coverage at all like i still think he struggled a lot with some of the mental things um but he wasn't like wasn't worse than he was last year i'm <laughs> i mean you know i'm I, I really am not trying to like just totally crap on this kid because he has lots of tools but i i i think people that are banking or on a big year or buying him i think i would be hesitant to do that still yeah i would still be hesitant to bank on a bounce back from him too i mean there's some positive signs and it's hard for him to be worse than he was last year but I would still at this point in time lean towards him possibly getting replaced towards the end of the season, if they, especially if they start to struggle um, against, you know, I think we've talked about it. NC State seems like their real first test there. Um, if he fails that, maybe he gets replaced. Um, so it's still pretty, 
pretty tentative footing for DJU for me. I'm not I'm not back on him yet. Kate Klubnik, the guy that we've said is going to battle him for his job. True freshman this year, one of the top quarterbacks uh, in the recruiting class out of Texas. Uh, won the Elite Eleven this year. Uh, has has a lot of pedigree. Uh, looked really good at the All American game. Uh, he he was on the opposite side of things. He was more accurate, um, but struggled identifying the rush. Again, Dabo during these games, I think he did this last year as well, if I remember correctly. He's not really, he doesn't really coach. He kind of puts some of the other staff members in charge of the play calling and stuff. Uh, he kind of refer, like partially referees, and then he has a mic and he like is in the booth, like calling the game as well. Um, so you can hear everything that Dabo's saying, which is really, really nice. And he kept yelling at Cade to, you know, you're, you got to get the ball out quicker. You're, you're not identifying the rush the, quick enough. So, Freshman struggles there. I still don't think he gets this job day one at all, but I do still think it's within the realm of possibility that he takes it. If, like, because DJ, like, I he's the kind of guy that I don't think he can play an uber conservative game plan. Like, that's just not his game. If you just kind of want to put a quarterback in there that's going to, you know, do what you want him to do, you know, he might not win it for you, then I think Cade might end up becoming that guy early in his career. I don't think DJ can do that, but if you want a more dynamic offense, then you're probably going to go with DJ. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, Cade, Cade probably not ready. We've said that. Mid-season is going to be a different story, and, and we'll definitely have to check in. And again, not to haha, Clemson, I think I, we should be prepared for Clemson to be not a great team again this year. I don't think they're going to be bad. I just, there's a not a bad chance they don't win the ACC again this year. Yep. Defense is going to have to keep a minute. It's a very deep D line. We shall see. Josephine got a pepper with targets. Kind of our last bullet point here. I don't know how noteworthy this is because they were again, missing Bo Collins, a second year guy who broke out at the end. Uh, They were missing Adam Randall, obviously out with the injury, all the tight ends, Antonio Williams, like all these guys out. Um, Good sign though. They seem they sound like he had a pretty good spring overall. Are we are we buying some some Ngata here? No, I've heard this before. I've heard this story before. Um, I think last offseason, actually, they were they were talking up Ngata and it still wasn't him. You know, he seems like the type of guy that flashes when the lights aren't really on. You know, he looks good in practice, spring games, but on the field, you know, he just he doesn't really put it together. And this seems more like a situation to me similarly to last year with a Gia Hall where he looked really good in the spring game, but it kind of was a result of them not really having everybody there um, at the time. And I think that's kind of a situation here where Ngata looked good. He kind of always looks good in practice. He's a practice hero. And then he looked good in the spring game because he was really the only one healthy outside of Dakari. So, no, I'm still out on Joe and Gata. I'll miss on this one if, if it comes to it. But fair enough. I'm, and this I'm out. this offense might not be high powered enough to make it matter anyway. It might be yeah. Bo Collins and then a bunch of other guys for this year. Who's to say? Um, we we don't really know. Let's man, we're staying in this one area here. They're going over to yeah. NC State as our last kind of full game breakdown here. Um, Devin Leary, is it time for us to plant the flag on this show? We're not the first by interest of imagination. I know some others that have that have been mm-hmm. um, on Devin Leary. Um, 
I think you should be buying him this offseason. I think at worst you're getting just a guy that's going to tear up college football this year. I think it's going to be a very explosive offense again uh, in this game, 26 for 34, 355, and three. Uh, he was a very high-scoring guy last year. I think if he has another big year, the NFL might be in the cards for him in terms of like meaningful draft capital. This is a guy I think I'm buying, Colin. Do you think I should buy him, or do you think that's crazy? Should I talk me out of it? No, no, no. I I would be buying him too. I don't think his price tag is prohibitive by any means. I think it's going to rise after the spring game, and there's going to be a steady drumbeat of him rising progressively all off season. But I think he was un- way too undervalued last year. Um, you know, he and and he had been hurt the year before that. Um, he didn't, and he didn't finish his 2020 season. He got hurt. He was still working his way back come spring. Uh, he was back to start there though. He ended up throwing for almost 3,500 yards, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions, um, averaged 22 fantasy points a game. Um, you know, so he was, he was good last year. He was startable and he is a red shirt junior. I believe I the COVID year throws everything kind of off. Um, but he has at least another year of eligibility after this year. So, you know, you're probably looking at two years of college production out of him unless he comes I out. I think early. he's going to be good enough this year that you get the one year production. He's class of Which, 2018 coming out of high school. He has another year if he wants it. Yeah, I don't think, but I don't think he takes it. I think it's better if he doesn't take it. I think that speaks that's better for his NFL future. The NFL, the NFL is telling him, Hey, come out. We'll take you, I don't know, second round somewhere in that range. Cause this class is still looking to round out the top half behind uh, Bryce young and CJ Stroud. But with Devin Leary, you know, you're, you're hearing some things floated around there that he could be this year's Kenny Pickett. It really wouldn't surprise me that much, but he actually had a better year last year than Kenny Pickett had prior to, uh, his last year. So yeah, I'm, I'm buying Leary would not surprise me at all. I think that offense, you know, at minimum takes no step back, possibly even better this year. I, I, I think go get Devin Leary. Um, and, and I don't think you'll regret it. Some other, you know, skill position guys. I think this ball is going to be, you know, pretty even distribution across the board. Porter Rooks, a guy that people were really high on, uh, a couple of freshman classes ago, I believe he's entering his third year next year. I was a four-star kid uh, coming out of high school, a wide receiver, caught a touchdown in this game. Do we think he could possibly be uh, a late bloomer? He's had a couple, you know, flashes here and now uh, across his first couple of years on, on campus. So it's not like he's just been sitting on the bench hanging out. Yeah, and Emeka Amezi is gone. Um, I think that was how you say his name. Uh, but he's gone, I believe. You know, he I think he ran out of eligibility. So they're going to be looking for somebody else to step up. Uh, he was in the freshman class of 2020, and he had an offer from Bama. You know, Bama, Auburn, Arkansas, he had 28 offers, you know. Um, he stayed in state and stayed with NC State. But, you know, a talented kid. Um, you know, you don't love year three breakout wide receivers, but like we've been bandying about on twitter back and forth you know peak year kind of matters a little bit more than you know 
a big freshman year. You know, it's, it's more like, was he a zero? Okay, now let's look at his peak year. And, you know, I think there's a possibility there. 24 catches for 276 yards as a true freshman, no touchdowns. And then last year, 23 for 298 and no, no scores. So almost identical uh, production year one, year two as the guy maybe in year three. I think he's definitely worth taking early because I think he is one of those guys like it's it's he's it's even worse than like a post hype sleeper per se. But people are just kind of like he, he is no longer in the back of people's mind. No. Like people that that really really do this. He he's he's kind of forgotten at this point. So you could do a lot worse. Except I don't for believe Rob, he's... the NC State fan in our one league. <laughs> I, I don't believe he's gone anywhere in any of our mocks yet. So no. take that for what it's worth. Uh, the running back situation there, guys, with um, uh, Zonovan Knight heading to the NFL. Jordan Houston got the first crack at RB one. He didn't put up a ton of stats on the day, but apparently looked. Uh, pretty good. And then freshman Michael Allen, a guy that we're a little lower on at the site, not like bottom out or anything, but we're a little skeptical, but he scored a touchdown today as well. Uh, it was a day for the offense. Um, I, I, I'm i not sure. Are we advocating to buy Jordan Houston? I mean, I, a little undersized, a little older. He's got some issues, but uh, could he produce there? They've, they've not necessarily run the offense through the running back either. Well, that's that's my biggest concern is they kind of since um, Dave Dorn's been there, they've kind of split running backs. They haven't really had a true lead back. Um, it was Zonovan Knight. Um, and who was the other one last year or last two years? They had um, he's off. The Ricky person now. person. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So they kind of, you know, everybody wanted it to be Zonovan Knight. And they just kind of kept giving the ball to Ricky person, too. It was, it was very frustrating. I think we're going to see probably more of that this year. But the good news is, you know, freshman Michael Allen could be the the back two in that rotation. So definitely somebody to keep an eye on. I would prefer Allen over Houston, even though if even, even if Houston gets the first crack. But I'm not investing significantly in this backfield. So, um, I'm not either, and I, I so Chris and I have been going back and forth in this. I think Chris and I really, um, I don't like. I, we kind of banged the drum on on C two C draft strategy at, at Campus to Canton. I, I don't think that's a stretch to say that we both philosophically, I think, kind of oppose on certain things. And I think we really align on others. Um, a concept that I think we've both kind of been bandying back and forth between the two of us this year is kind of like min maxing your roster, and that's not necessarily. It's not necessarily a fantasy term like it, it, I, I forget where min maxing comes from some like some other video game or something but basically it means that like you want your roster to either be guys that like you 100 want to be starting or like are bums and either like you're waiting to drop or are like deep stashes like you don't want the in-between guys you don't want well it's crazy you want some guys that you can cut if you need to if they miss shut up huh novel idea why do you why you are make you, you i try to get this through the show so nice and you make me no, so not nice colin <laughs> you do this to me every time <laughs> damn you my therapist says this isn't good for me um you want to min max your roster basically guys like keontae ingram are kind of cloggers because you don't ever want to start them and the Debbie upside what is it it's not certain 
I think I worry that a Jordan Houston kind of guy is a guy that like I'm not that interested in starting week in, week out, and I'm not that interested in stashing him. So what am I doing with him kind of in that middle ground? I don't really know. He's a guy that I probably won't roster at all, but I think if you're in a super deep league and you just need like some sort of running back production and you want to snag him late, I think you could do a lot worse. You're, you'll get some points. It's just not a guy that like I'm thinking can break out and average 25 points a game this year or will be a top 100 draft selection when the NFL comes calling. So for whatever that's worth, there are other names. It just, just came to mind as we were talking about a player like Jordan uh, Houston. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with that. And then Michael Allen, any thoughts? I mean, I, I I don't think he'll be a starter this year. I think he'll he'll factor in a little bit, but I mean, he won't be fantasy relevant. If I had to guess, no, he won't be fantasy relevant. I, I wasn't particularly high on him. Um, I do actually remember, and I I don't have the the speed data pulled up here in front of me, but I do remember being surprised at his speed a little bit. So that that's the thing. He hits like 21 point something, yeah. but it takes him a while to get there. Like, yeah. I don't think he's as good of a mover as he gets some credit for. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple guys in this class. Like that Samuel Brown is the other one that always comes to mind. He's going to Rutgers. Yeah. Uh, he's a PA kid. Um, he's like that too. Like, I think he hit close to 21, but it takes him a while to rev up. Um, so not necessarily, you know, a, a meaningful number on his part. All right, let's, let's get through some quick hitters here real quick. Colin Liberty. There are two things that we are really interested at Liberty. Who's the starting quarterback now that Malik Willis is gone. And then is there an offensive weapon that we're excited about there? It does not sound like it's going to be everybody's favorite, uh, flunky kid on Salter. <laughs> it's going to be Charlie Brewer, at least for now transfer. What is dead may never die. <laughs> <laughs> Good reference. Um, Transfer in from Utah, transferred to Utah from Baylor, six-year guy. He's got some legs, but he's obviously not Malik Willis. Nobody really is. Um, I don't know. Does this do a lot for you? I mean, they, they play kind of a cupcake schedule, so the starter there might be moderately intriguing as an end-of-the-roster kind of guy. No, I think the, the intrigue with Malik Willis was his fantasy potential, and you saw a lot of that from his legs. Charlie Brewer doesn't offer that. Yeah, they're going to have a cupcake schedule, but I – would be surprised if you're starting Charlie Brewer on a even a, in every other week kind of a thing. You know, I, I don't even think he'll end up being a spot starter. I don't think particularly high of Charlie Brewer. I mean, he's he's okay, but um, like you mentioned in you know preceding your next point here, I don't necessarily there's not there's not a ton of of um, receiving options there that we like either. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would I would struggle for you to find me a roster next year that you can point to and say they started Charlie Brewer in the championship game and won it. I actually don't think that's humanly possible. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, You're playing like, with fire. The rest of your roster just has to be stupidly, stupidly, stupidly loaded, and you have to have some guys blow up. It's not like NFL fantasy. It's very quarterback-driven. You cannot get by with like two like low end QBs. So I don't think that Charlie Brewer will will be that kind of a guy. And again, if you're if you're kind of trying to do that, you know, min max, does he fit into that kind of setup either? I don't think so. He's the kind of guy that unless I'm in a super deep league or we start like four quarterbacks or something, I'm probably not super interested in rostering. But that's what makes me feel really bad about Keon Salter that he can't quite take this job. Maybe I can wait a little bit on him. Um, and, and maybe buy him later in the season if I'm 
really so inclined, but I, I, I'm not sure that's a guy that I'm going to go out there and spend anything significant to acquire. No. Um, best player on their team, probably Day Day Hunter, transfer in uh, from Hawaii. Uh, the was supposed to be this the successor there to uh, Calvin Turner. Um, Chris Moxley special. Chris Moxley special, a guy that he really, really likes. Um, smaller guy, receiving back, dynamic with the ball in his hands. Um, probably going to have a nice season there. So I, if you're going to draft one Liberty guy, I think Day Day is the kind of guy you want. He has a couple years left of eligibility. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Day Day is the kind of guy who you're talking min-max. You're going to probably get some production from him. And like you said, probably a couple years of production. So. Um, yeah. Played this weekend. Um. Sounds like the offense overall struggled a lot. Uh, Keaton Slovis was really, really bad. Um, are we worried about this offense? New offense coordinator, new quarterback. Um, the line is back. The weapons are back for the most part. We'll see. Yeah, I think I think Slovis will get it figured out to a level that is fine. I think that's Slovis. Slovis is is a fine college quarterback. I think he'll be able to get the ball to Jordan Addison. I do worry about this offense supporting two wide receivers, which is why, you know, I like Kanata Mumfield. I like, you know, what I saw out of him last year. There's definitely some potential here, but I don't think I see this offense supporting two fantasy relevant wide receivers. And I think that's where Kanata Mumfield takes the hit. I think he's going to disappoint some people this year. So I have not been willing to take him where he has been going uh, with where the hype has been. I do think Slovis can support Addison, but I don't know if he can support uh, Addison and Mumfield. And like you said, they bring in a new um, OC. They're going to be, I think, more run heavy. So I'm leaning more towards the running game here than I am options in this passing attack. I'm I'm intrigued because I don't think Slovis can support two wide receivers. I still do think it's Addison. Mumfield is a very intriguing player, but I think he's going to disappoint for fantasy this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the running backs, like I just like is Izzy is so clearly the best RB there, but there they Devin Carter had an they had, was voted most improved this offseason. He's a really big back. He's like 240 pounds. The staff seems to like him. He played okay in this game. Like I don't think he's any better than Izzy, but the, this could just be another you know. We're rotating three backs again, um, and Izzy, who has all this potential and just doesn't get the opportunity. I, I don't really know. I worry a little bit about that, too, but I'm hoping with the new staff in there that they move away from the tendencies that they had to just rotate backs. You know, Izzy and then was a Vincent and A.J. Davis, and you know Devin Carter was there last year, too. Um, I, I'm hoping that the cream rises to the top here because I do like Izzy. Uh, I, you know, I like him. <laughs> I say I like his Devi potential. I do like his NFL potential, but if he doesn't ever do anything at Pitt, it's hard for him to get the draft capital that you want to see. Yeah. And they have Hammond as the other running back there, Ron, Rodney Hammond, um, smaller guy. Um, last one here, Houston. Uh, obviously Alton McCaskill going down. Felix and I talked about that last week. Their star running back, second year back. 
Um, very disappointing. Went down with a non-contact. Sounds like an ACL injury. Um, but not at all is lost there. Matthew Golden, a wide receiver. Again, another guy that we were significantly higher on than the services here. Cam Scan, mm-hmm. he's uh, inside our top 10 wide receivers, uh, slotted in in our tier two. Um, had a, like a really good game. Two touchdowns, like was the talk of the town. Just is like a legitimately a really, really, really good player. I don't even know if he ends up playing all three years at Houston. I, I think that's something that starts needs to start figuring into the calculus of what we think about him as an as a college guy, because I'm not sure he spends three years at Houston. Um, but regardless, he was our wide receiver ten, right on the right on the cusp there. Wide receiver ten. Were we too low on him here at campus to Canton? I mean, man. I mean, it. I think the big concern with him that kind of kept him as our wide receiver ten is him being at a G5 school. You know, Houston is a a, a a the Dana Holgerson offense is a gold mine for wide receiver production. Now, you're going to have Nathaniel Dell there this year. Tank Dell apparently. Um, but you're going to have Nathaniel Dell there this year. I think he's still going to outproduce Matthew Golden, but I think Matthew Golden is going to put up solid numbers i think he's going to get production right away and if he does and he can go to a power five school you know a bigger power five school um then yeah i think we'll end up have been too low on him as our wide receiver 10 if he does end up sticking at houston for three years you know he's probably his best case scenario is looking at some late day two draft capital and then in which case our wide receiver 10 doesn't feel off at all but yeah, I'm trying to pull up real quick. I believe he's my wide receiver eight. So I didn't have him like I had him right in that range as well. Yeah, um, I believe I'm right there too. Yeah, I have him one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, okay. Right after uh, like Shetron, Isaiah Bond, and then Matthew Golden, uh, kind of all there in a row. Um, yeah, I, I really, really like him. And I do think that there's a very large chance he doesn't end up at Houston for three years. So we shall see a really nice height, really uh, size, really nice athlete. I mean, and it looks like he's got some sticky mitts. He's got yeah. some nice route running chops. I mean, very well-rounded kid should not, should never have been rated what he was. I don't know what the services were looking at with him. I think they kind of botched the wide receivers this year. Um, not to I think they botched some of them. Yeah. Not to rag on, on them because they generally do a very good job. Um, all right. So that's going to do it for our spring check in here tonight. We'll have a lot more of them next week. And again, if you want to hear some thoughts on Kentucky, maybe we didn't talk about tonight, but it sounds like they had some, a couple of guys, Dane key, Tavion Robinson looked pretty good. Uh, go ahead and, and check out uh, Alfred's videos again, over on the YouTube page, campus to Canton, just like the podcast, just like the website, just like everything else. The number two there in the middle, freshman profiles, Colin did not do one with Felix last week, because I know that he would have talked about somebody <laughs> <laughs> one of his guys and we talked for 20 minutes so we just cut that out last week we avoided that whole fiasco but we're back this week we've each got a receiver um go ahead give us your best barry and brown yeah my uh my guy i'm going to talk about is barry and brown here and you know you mentioned kentucky um dane key the other freshman in this class got some uh some some pub after this game they're talking about how he's the deep threat that this offense was looking for. Barry and Brown's not on campus yet. Uh, and I think Barry and Brown is the deep threat that this offense was looking for. Um, Barry and Brown, 
uh, number 16 wide receiver in the class, four-star prospect. Uh, he was getting recruited at Alabama pretty heavily, and he ended up going to Kentucky. You know, he also had Georgia, LSU, Texas, Texas A&M on his offer list, goes to Kentucky. Uh, and I think that, you know, part of the allure of Kentucky, and, you know, I'm sure there's other things in that pitch too, but part of the allure of Kentucky is uh, Kentucky has one of the highest percentages of vacated wide receiver production coming into this year. So I think Barry and Brown is going to have an opportunity to step up early. It does sound like he'll have to unseat Dane Key, but I don't particularly think that highly of Key. I think Barry and Brown can do that. Uh, Barry and Brown, like I said, he's the speedster, the deep threat that this offense is looking for. He's clocked at 22.3 miles per hour by our recruiting team, C2C. Um, he's one of the fastest guys in this class. He's also very fluid. You know, he can make defenders look silly in the open field. He can score from anywhere. His offense used him in a variety of ways. They used him on uh, Jeff sweeps. They used him short. They used him deep. Um, you know, he also returned the ball. So I think that he, his speed and athleticism jumps off the page right away. Uh, he also tracks the ball really well in the air. He tracks the ball really well. He gets up. He high points it well. You know, he can make adjustments in the air if he needs to. Um, so he has the ability to be a ready-made deep threat right off the bat. In addition to, you know, working in the screen game um, on, on jet sweeps. So I think he can be a Wandale Robinson type for this offense here. You know, I think this year you're probably going to look more at TV on Robinson to fill that type of a role um, and do his best Wandale impression this year. But Brown's going to have an opportunity, like I said, to start from day one. Um, and then, you know, his combination of size, athleticism, um, and, and ball skills, I think has him looking like he's going to be an NFL-level deep threat um, whenever he does come out. I think he's going to have the profile to be a day-two pick, especially if he produces early in the SEC like we think we can. So I like Barry and Brown a lot. I believe I have him as my wide receiver four in this class. He's my wide receiver too. I really like him. Explosive, explosive, explosive. And I think another thing that, that I really like about him, um, in my opinion, he's one of the smartest players in this year's class. There are clips of him. He was a, you know, obviously listed as an athlete, played a lot of safety as well. He's a really good seat, like really smart. And I'm not worried about him switching over to that side of the ball, but like you can just tell, like he understands how offenses work. He understands his own ability. I really like him. I think with his explosive athletic tools, I think he can go day one if he plays well at Kentucky because he's big. Like he's six one too. Like yeah. he's he's a bigger guy. Uh, he's not you know a gadgety five nine guy going to Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, no, if, well, no, that is not shade at Wandale, but you know they get that. That's the kind yeah. of guy you expect to end up at a smaller you know non power like Kentucky. But this kid's a, a legit big athlete. So, yeah. I, Henry Ruggs did it. Yeah. And I think Barry and Brown can end up being a, a, a testing similarly and, and, and can do a lot of the same things he did in college. Yeah. I mean, one thing that, you know, I, I didn't mention that I, I probably should have here is his, his technical ability does need to improve. Um, you know, he does not have a variety of release moves. His route tree is underdeveloped. So, you know, and I think part of that stems from, you know, he was playing three phases. He's playing offense, defense, special teams. He was pretty much everything for his team. And, he relied a lot and his team relied a lot on his speed and his athleticism. So they didn't ask him to run a variety of routes. I think if he can improve that, 
um yeah i could i could see day one potentially being in the cards but uh, i i at this point in time i think he's more of a day two guy at the nfl level but that's still very very good um yeah yeah um we'll, we'll see right now he's a yak and go deep guy yep those are both very valuable skills though uh i chose caleb burton here tonight um, you know, we've talked about before many times. We, we can't just do guys we like on here. We sometimes have talked about guys we don't like. And Caleb Burton's a guy that's really, really fallen for me throughout this process. Uh, was, I believe, the top-rated wide receiver in the class after his sophomore year. He was electric down there in Texas. Had a really big sophomore year. Knee injury junior year. Did not look like the same guy here his senior year. Um, so just, you know, some background there on him. He's six foot. He's 165. Well, so he was listed at six foot as a recruit. Ohio State has him listed at 5'11. They have him listed at 169. Really hasn't gained any weight since he's been on campus. A little, a little concerning there uh, out of Lake Travis High School down in Texas. He stylistically was very, very similar to Garrett Wilson. Like it was really, really interesting when I first dove into this class a couple years ago. Uh, you know, Ohio State had this kid and they were going after Grays as well. I went and watched Grays. I was like, well, holy shit, Kyan Grays kind of looks like Chris Olave. And then I watched this kid and I was like, well, he kind of looks like Kara Wilson. <laughs> like, it's very obvious what they're going for here. Um, you know, jump ball, springy kid, can win deep, um, you know, kind of twitchy. Um, unfortunately, again, just not that same guy after he came back from this knee injury. So we're going to need to give him another year here. My worry is that if he doesn't recover to his max, that he does not make it Ohio State. He goes elsewhere. I can already pretty much guarantee you he's going to be year one zero. So he's going to be a guy that I'm going to have to fade um, just based on that, uh, based mm. on that process. So he's a guy that I'm avoiding. He was like my wide receiver, like five or six coming into the year. And then all these different things and Ohio State, obviously bringing in another big class and all these different things. He is way down to like my wide receiver, like 35 or 40 now. Like he's just a total fade at this point. And I feel bad because I think it had, had he either a bounced back better from the knee injury or B uh, wound up elsewhere. Maybe I'd feel a little better about that projection, but just a lot of the combination of things, some of the things within his control, obviously some of them been without or yeah, outside of his control. Um, well, just I, I don't think he feels like a very uh, good bet. Definitely an upside guy. He's going a little earlier than I would take him in freshman drafts. If the market starts to react to him and he starts going really late, maybe I start taking him as kind of an upside guy, but um, does not feel like a guy that I think like I, I look at Keon Grace and I say, yes, like he's going to do a little something this year and he's going to break out year two. Like I feel pretty good about that projection there. I look at him and I'm like, he's got to have a lot of things go right for him. And that's just, it's too hard to project for me. So I'm out on Caleb Burton. I'm not saying take him off your board, but I am saying, you know, just buyer beware at current cost, which is like round four, round five. Do not take him there. You, I think you will be burned a little bit by that. Yeah, I am. I'm not, I don't want to say I'm out on Burton because like you said, if he, if his value does come down, you know, he definitely has some skills that, that, that to like there. And he was at one time rated very highly uh, in this class. I just think Gray's is better. I think that he, like you said, he's going to be a year one zero. It's going to be very difficult for him to get production right off the bat. That's a very crowded room. And Ohio State's the type of guy that's a type of school that's going to very easily recruit over somebody like this. So... I am very worried about Burton. Um, you know, I, like I said, I'm not out, but I'm out at this price tag for sure. He's going to have to drop pretty significantly. 
So that, that's where we're at on those two guys. So Barry and Brown, Kentucky, Caleb Burton uh, at, at Ohio State. Check both of those guys out. Um, so that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Um, you know, we've got so much stuff going on at Campus Canton. Uh, go ahead and check it out. Again, we just talked about the beginner leagues, guys. If you've never played in the Campus Canton League, you're looking to get into one with all other people that have never played. And if you join us, basically we pay your league dues for you. You pay nothing and all the money goes to the prize pool. So there's no reason for you not to go ahead, give this a try, um, you know, join our community in the discord, check out all the stuff we have. Hopefully you'll learn a thing or two along the way. Uh, go ahead, reach out to us at campus to Canton on Twitter or at Debbie Dietz. We'll go ahead and get you set up there. Um, the podcasts guys, go ahead and, and check out all the podcasts here on the feed. If you haven't reviewed yet, we do just ask that you go ahead and give us a five-star review. That stuff helps us for whatever reason, um, you know, bumps us up the charts a little bit, gets us uh, some more eyeballs on us. So go ahead, give us a five-star review. Talk about your favorite show. There's so many shows on there, guys. Chasing the Natty on Mondays. Uh, this show, Campus Life Tuesdays, Debbie Debate Wednesdays, uh, Noah Hill's New Hero RB Show Thursdays. And then we ha- are back second half of the week with our NFL Canton Bound and Brandon Sanders, future freshman. Those are all on there. Uh, leading up to the draft, your daily draft report is on there as well with Dwight Peebles. So go ahead, guys. Test, tell us what your favorite show is, what you like about us, um, all that good stuff. We, we would really, really appreciate that. Check out the website again, campus2canton.com, all the stuff over there. YouTube page. We're just we're, we're growing, 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 guys. Get in on the ground floor of something uh, that is going to keep getting bigger. We'll be back, like I said, on Friday this week. Until then, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.